Hello everybody, it's Darren again. Just to let you know, uh, this is part of a three-part series we're doing covering the best of everything in 2020. Uh, already there is an episode out where myself and Michael talk about the best of television in 2020. And what you're about to hear is part two of the series, where myself and Mike talk about the best and worst of video games from the past 12 months. Enjoy! <laughs> In comparison to watching yet almost 30 TV series this year, I only played seven games, so my contributions may be slightly lessened um, in this part than they are for Michael. Yeah, so I've got a top 10. We'll rattle through 10 through 6 and then go into detail on 1, 5 through 1. Uh, I have a worst, uh, which I'm going to discuss in a single sentence. Marvel's The Avengers is an absolute insult to the Marvel franchise, and it didn't <laughs> deserve to be as bad as it is. Um, I don't know if you have a worst game, Darren. I mean, I played... A bit of the demo for Avengers, so I think that kind of came. Um, I, I I didn't think it was possible to be bored playing as the Hulk, but there we are. So yeah, the Avengers demo makes it as my worst game of the year. <laughs> uh, I have an honourable mention. Do you have any honourable mentions you want to talk about? Uh, just two real quick. Well, obviously Mario 3D Collection came out, but because that's a re-release, I didn't really count it. Um, Same. So. I, I would say that Mario 64 is the worst game I've played in full this year, but that's kind of harsh against... Uh, I mean, it turns 25 years old next year. That's just not fair comparison. Um, no. And uh, Fall Guys, I want to mention as well. Perfect, just I've got half an hour to burn um, video game. Admittedly never won. Um, I haven't played it. I, we had about a month and a half hot streak of playing it and then haven't touched it since, so... That doesn't really speak to its long-term quality, but for that month and a half, oh boy, what a game. What a game. Um, not on my top ten is Cyberpunk 2077, which I just wanted to have a couple of seconds talking about. When really? this game is, Yeah, when this game is fixed, I'm sure it will be brilliant. Um, but the, the, the... I don't want to fuel the fire, and I, don't, I think that people complaining about it are very much part of the problem of this entire situation. Um, but I think the the real it all has to come down to the studio heads over at CD Projekt Red that knew that this was pretty much going to be a next gen game. It was going to be a current PC build shattering game and still put it out on seven year old hardware. I really do think they could have delayed it, bitten the bullet and said it's going next gen only. Here's the money back for your pre-orders because they knew it was going to sell and they chose profits over, you know, quality. That's all that happened. The storyline, the world, the characters, they're all great. I just want to play this game again when it's not crashing reliably once an hour because it's just, it's Jesus. fucking unplayable. It's fucking <laughs> unplayable. And it sucks because I really like it. But, you know, I'll put it this way. I've got a full top ten. All of them have never had this many problems. Like, I've played all these games really solidly. I've never had a single one of them crash. The fact that I love Cyberpunk so much because just walking around Night City is great. But it's not great when nothing fucking works. So wait for that PS5 upgrade, people. Just just wait for it. Or if you've got a PC, just play Cyberpunk and enjoy it. See, I, I don't think I'm even going to bother at that point. Like, I didn't like The Witcher, but I was like, no, this seems like a surefire bet. And now that they've done all this and not covered themselves in glory in the aftermath... I'm like, no, fuck them. 
I don't want to give him money. Yes. So, so I don't know how you... <laughs> that's like... It's going to be an example going forward, I think, for like um, people learning game development at, at like education institutions or even just anybody who wants to make something creatively. Uh, here's the best example of how to burn your company to the ground in seven yeah. days. Because every bit of goodwill that they built up over the years of producing content for The Witcher, it's gone. That company is fucked. CD Projekt Red will never make another game again. Mark my words. I, uh, oh, I don't know because it's still like they said like it's made back all the money that it cost to develop already. I mean, how much of that is now going to have to be taken back in refunds? I don't know, but yeah, it we'll is a, it is a question. We'll see. I don't I don't think we'll see CD Projekt Red reach heights like this. I, I so my prediction is they won't make another big game ever again. They'll just continue to like develop smaller games like the witcher card game but this is this is the end of their premiership it's over it's done anyway uh my 10 through six um a couple of seconds on each uh number 10 astro's playroom it's a tech demo but it is a very good platformer game and it really shows off the dual sense for what it is it's one of three playstation 5 games to be up here so that tells you about the consistent quality of this launch if you can get hold of a console i'd recommend it highly obviously it comes preloaded on every console so just you may as well play it it's an easy platinum and it's a very very enjoyable experience number nine four guys uh it's like you said for that month it was uh an app that set the world on fire they are continuing to support it, and there is now some new courses and some obviously tons of new costumes. Um, we can have the discussion on whether the microtransactions are worth it if you want to. As far as I'm concerned, it's I mean, most of us have been playing the game for free, so it's not the most egregious thing. And there's no way to get an advantage in this game. It's fucking luck sometimes. So I don't really care that much. It was a fun game for the time I played it. Uh, and it was a game that both my wife and I could play. So that was always nice. Number eight, Animal Crossing's New Horizons. Um, I really fell off the wagon, but I know that people really, really love this game. And for the first two months, I want to say, I played it pretty solidly every day. And it's very good. The only problem I have with it is that it doesn't have as much character as previous entries in the series. So, like, you, you compare it to the original GameCube one. Yeah, you run out of things to do a lot quicker in the original GameCube one, but at least some of the villagers could sometimes be a bit more abrasive, which at least added a bit more character to the whole thing. It does seem like the utopian future of Animal Crossing games, where everyone's just pleased at everything all the time. If that's what you want, great. But I could have done with a bit more depth. Uh, at number seven, The Last of Us Part Two. Technically a very good game, a very detailed game, one that I am enjoying the mechanics of and just scouring for for anything. However, it's fucking bleak, and it's really hard to, <laughs> to like promote a game that is actively horrible to play in terms of the story. The, the fact that they make you play as Abby, I'm sorry, that's what puts it back down here. I fucking hate Abby, and that's the testament to the writing of this, because I don't think you're supposed to like Abby. If I get late, later into the game, because I will admit I'm not that far in, and they are trying to redeem the character of Abby, this will go off the top ten. So, you know, um, but at the minute, I I actually like Ellie's story. I like that it's that it's not, and then the world was saved at the end of number one. That ambiguous ending of number one hasn't been wasted yet. And now it's a revenge tale. Sweet. I'm all down for it. I just fucking hate Abby. And my horse got blew up the other day. <laughs> and I didn't like that. I did not like that. 
don't don't I... do anything to the horse. The horse didn't do anything. <laughs> More on this later. Cool. Uh, at number six, Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time. It's as good as you said it was, Darren. But it's only at number six? I played some fucking good games this year, let me tell you. Um, yeah, Crash 4, it's exactly the evolution of the series that you want. Uh, have I put it below the top five purely because it's fucking hard? Is that a legitimate criticism? Yes. Yes, it is. This game's fucking hard. So <laughs> that's why I've bumped it down a few places. It was in the top five. It's now at number six. I- I've charitably put it here because I think the consistent quality and the very reliable controls are very welcome, and it's a far cry from playing Crash 1. Because fuck me, you can't go back to Crash 1 without playing on Insane anymore. Mm. Um, I think that what Crash 4 suffers from, though, is recycling content a lot. Whilst each individual level is very, very good, they are very long. They have a lot of very stupidly hidden boxes, and you do need to play every stage at least four times if you're very good at the game to get everything. So I do think it really stretches out its content when you've got probably a very good five-hour game here, but stretching it out to, like... 30 40 hours to get all the stuff that ain't that ain't worth it and i won't be doing it that's my 10 through 6 cool right um so i'll kick us off with number five um now i will admit there are two games that i haven't played yet that i guarantee you at least one of them would knock this off of number five uh that being uh immortals phoenix rising as described by michael the most darren gutridge game ever made yep uh and Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I've both got, uh, got them both for Christmas, but because of a game we're going to mention a little later, um, I haven't opened either of them yet. So there is every chance that this is this is just keeping number five warm for now. Uh, but that is Star Wars Squadrons. Um, probably most surprised I've been by a video game all year, um, just because of how like in-depth this is. Um, you are locked into first-person mode in this. Um, basically, it's it's in the aftermath of uh, the Battle of Endor, um, and the rebels are trying to build their own kind of super weapon to just take down Star Destroyers really quickly, because that's all the Empire have left, and the Empire scrambling to kind of stop them from doing that and, and run interference. Um, you can make your own character, but they all, the, the, all the, the rebels look very soft and nice, Whereas all the people you can make for the Empire look like they've been made on a PS1. They're all angular and pointy and angry. <laughs> um, but that's fine. Um, I've named mine Rube's Cool after my football manager guy. Um, I forgot about Rube's Cool. Oh yeah, Rube's Cool. Uh, <laughs> so I'm playing as <laughs> Rebel Pilot Joey Apples and Imperial <laughs> Pilot Rube's Cool. Joey um, <laughs> fucking Apples! Yes! Oh, I, I only haven't put Football Manager on here because I was technically playing the one that came out in 2019 uh, for Football Manager 20. So that would be on here, but Alas, um, Joey Apples. Uh, yo, it's Joey. Joey Apples. Um, so yeah, I. It, it's really good. So you're locked into first person. Um, so you're in the cockpit, and you can see around the periphery of your cockpit because you need to. You are constantly shifting controls around to adapt to whatever situation there is. Um, you're, you're usually in an X-Wing. I've only had one where I've been in a Y-Wing so far, uh, but for the most part, you're either in an X-Wing or a TIE fighter. And you have a little gauge on the side that has shields, guns, and speed, and you can have all three balanced, or you can max out one at the cost of the other two. 
and the constant like kind of pros and cons that you're going through in your head of like right well i'm flying at him so i'll need the shields up at the front um i will then switch over to weapons when i get close enough that i can then batter him but then should five of his mates turn up i'm going to need to whack that into speed put the shields on the back and go for it that is really nice it's something that kind of sets it apart from rogue squadron which is very arcadey and feeling pretty basic this is a lot more in depth i do you do miss a little bit of it being able to be third person so you can see like you know you're actually because flying around in very tight spaces in first person is claustrophobic as fuck um but it, it finds a nice way to kind of mitigate the damage on that and when it's when it's going and everything is working it is great I can't comment on the story because I haven't finished it yet. Um, a game we're going to talk about in a minute came out when I was about halfway through and has basically become a second job, so I haven't returned to it. I am going to. I'm going to finish this off when um, when I've played Immortals and uh, Horror Warriors. So at some point next year I will finish Star Wars Squadron, but for now it's it's at number five. Yeah, very good. Um, I have played Immortals. It doesn't make top ten because I haven't got all that way into it, but it is the most Aaron Guthrie game ever made. Um, I that... cannot wait. That's all you need to know. Uh, my number five, however, is Doom Eternal. Um, mm. And a game I didn't expect to rank this high until I realized that it's very much... It's, it's a slightly different beast from Doom 2016. And I think this is not the comment I wanted to give it, but it's made me appreciate Doom 2016 all that more. Because um, I didn't buy Doom 2016. Um, I borrowed a copy and played it and thought it was fine and then put it down. Doom Eternal, however... I think is certainly the more visually striking game. It really just runs with the absurdity of the situation and just makes it into its story, which is what kept me going through Doom Eternal. They've run with every like little thing about the Doomslayer being this sort of like semi Norse mythological figure of death and just gone. Yeah, we're just going to do that now. Have your big laser death metal sword. Fuck it. Why not? And that momentum and momentum is the word because the gameplay is very much about constant movement constant shooting less so in this one compared to 2016 because there's certainly far less ammo in this game which actually kind of forces you to strategize a bit more which i really appreciated but it's fucking hard oh my god i know i put crash bandicoot like at number six because of how hard it is doom eternal is a challenge but it's definitely one that feels accomplishable i guess as soon as you've done like if, if you're struggling with an area just play it through a couple of times try to get a rhythm for where to run where to jump where to shoot where to position yourself and how to deal with those situations and it, it just gels together i think if you've played 2016 and like this one you're gonna love it if you thought 2016 wasn't fantastic but you're willing to give it another try i honestly would recommend doom eternal because I was very much in that boat. I liked 2016, but I didn't love it. Eternal is the better game in terms of story, in terms of challenge, in terms of pacing, in terms of upgrades, in terms of visuals. I just worry that the lack of ammo makes it a little bit less of a power fantasy, especially when the story is very much telling you that you are some kind of born-to-be gothic warrior, and then you don't get every single bullet. So I don't know. I think there's a perfect game directly between these two. Or at least maybe maybe I'll just I'll dial Doom Eternal back to like easy mode where I'll just have lots of everything and that's the power fantasy game I want. But I did, really did enjoy it. It was really really quite good. Did you get round to playing Doom in the end? 
Uh, I've played the 2016 one. I haven't played uh, Eternal. It is in the January sale on the store, but considering I have two complete games I haven't touched yet, and I haven't finished Star Wars Squadrons yet, and I haven't really finished Mario 3D Collection yet, I thought better of it. But I, I will probably get round to it um, whilst I starve out me buying a PS5. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, I, I liked having that amount of bullets to compensate how bad I am at first-person suitors. So... <laughs> That that might be slightly troubling. Speaking of bollocks hard games, Crash Bandicoot 4 is at number 4. How nice is that? Um, I think this is the best Crash Bandicoot game ever made. I really do. I think it... Yes, you can say, like, it's, it's a little bit repetitive, but some of kind of the first ones, you're always jumping through a jungle or something. I think that's kind of inherent to all Crash Bandicoots. I think the amount of imagination on on display here is unbelievable. I think the masks in particular, the new masks, really add to um add to the game in unexpectedly like good ways. I think because they've now refined the jumping and platform mechanics to within an inch of their life, it is as perfect as a crash game is ever going to be. They all add stuff in levels but because they're like you don't play an entire level with like the upside down mask or the, the the infinite spinning mask you play for like basically between two checkpoints they help keep the variety going through a level particularly if you play like i did with lives turned off which then just gives you infinite chances to bang your head against the wall to get every single box i think that actually encourages the 100 percent completion i'm never actually going to 100 percent crash bandicoot 4 because I have neither the skill nor the time to actually go out there and get everything there is to get in this game. I unlocked the Retro Crash skin, and I unlocked the uh, Biker Crash. Those are the only two I really need. Um, I didn't really need anything else he was dressed up as. Um, but yeah, it's just... it's The only problem I have with this game, the only reason it's this low, is that it does have one major Achilles heel, and that is the Neo Cortex levels, which are horrible to play oh like the the tape levels no no the ones where you play as neo cortex oh right sorry i thought you meant the the flashback tapes because the the flashback the flashback tapes are like the hardest a bonus level has ever been they are but they're really good i appreciate them um quite a bit no i mean the actual levels where you play as neo cortex right okay have you played them yet? I uh, haven't got to Cortex yet. I've played Torna and Dingadar levels, which actually are all right. Like, they're yeah. pretty good. Torna's good because of the, the issues like the wall jumping and the, and the grappling hook. Mm. I think the Dingadar ones are like kind of mindless fun, but anything that requires any amount of like precision skill in those levels, they all just go to pot. Um, they're, they're better just be mindless blasting of TNT crates and stuff. Yeah. I seriously. This is the most hampering thing of a game in 2020. Is the Neo Cortex levels? They are atrociously bad. They they almost derail the whole fucking thing because there's most of them are optional, but obviously you want to play all the content in the game. So I felt the need to go back and play them. But there's one you have to get through. The first one you do is him. It's relatively short, but it's just oh, it's diabolically bad. Mm. Awful. It's it's genuinely what keeps you out of the top three because the in much the same way the Jackie Daytona episode was undeniably the best episode of TV there was this year. The New Orleans inspired offbeat. Oh level, my god, that's so good. It's the best. It's the best thing in gaming this year. Oh my god, I got into the a trance playing that fucking level. Right, that was the so good. The music is brilliant. The platforming is brilliant. The the way it juggles the masks just 
every the massive Coco vibes it's got going on. Yeah, I mean anything that it's, reminds me of Coco is going to get points. Yeah. It's the best Crash Bandicoot level ever. Yeah. It has to be. H- hard to just, argue. It's, it's really hard to argue against that. Everything you want it to be and more. Um, so that is my number four. And my number four, uh, on very much the other end of, um, in terms of scale, uh, was Carrion. I've talked about this earlier uh, in the um, uh, the lockdown episode, but it's just, it's very much the portal of this year, and fuck, it's good. It's just so good. Honestly, play this one, Darren. It's very hard to not enjoy Carrion. Um, the, the pixely art style isn't going to be for everybody, but I think that allowed it to have a bit more creative freedom with how terrifyingly disgusting the monster is and the gore and the idea of ripping open a mech suit to get to the squishy guy inside so you can slam it against a wall um yeah it's all good there's nothing about carrion that doesn't work which you would argue puts it at number one um however the thing that holds carrion back which is is also its greatest strength because it's very short you can finish it inside three hours and if you're looking for a longer game, it ain't going to be carried. If you're looking for a very polished, very straightforward and focused, like, single-player game, if you don't mind a pixely art style, if you don't mind Metroidvania, go for Carrion, because it's just brilliant. It's easily one of the best um, indie games I've played in a long while, especially because I started out compiling this list when I first had 10 games. I had Spiritfarer on this list, which was... It's, it's very much the Star Wars franchise of indie games. Just like quite a lot of really good stuff and then completely shits itself at the end. Um, <laughs> like like that game became unfucking bearable in the last three or four hours, which is a, a problem that Carrion thankfully doesn't have because it's not even that long. <laughs> so that's it at number four. I Honestly, there's nothing I can say that would kind of sway anybody who doesn't already know about this game to pick it up. Um but yeah, it's just, it's so polished. It's so very well done. We've still got three more games to go. That's exciting. What have you got for number that three? Is. Sorry. Yeah, 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 number three next, isn't it? Yes. Cool. I have gone back and forth on third and second place here. Because it's it's the, it's the argument between, do I give more praise to something I think is technically better or something I've had more fun playing? there's the so please treat three and two as any given day they could switch around for now as it is written in the article and number three is ghost of shishima oh okay i think compared to number two i think this is a technically better game i think there is no ounce of fat on this game whatsoever it is refined to within an into its life to be everything that Everything that's in there fits the theme perfectly. The side missions with the haiku writing, all that jazz is, you know, very, very nice. I think the only reason I've, at the minute, got it slightly lower than I've got at number two is that whilst I appreciate it's got great characters, it's got a great story, um, visually, unbelievably good. Probably the best-looking game of the year. I think the only thing it kind of lacks is it's not... Like it's very self-serious, and that kind of robs it a little bit of fun. That I think this the game I'm going to mention in a minute has more going for it. Um, it it falls down because I I think its stealth is pretty bad. Like to the point where once I've dipped I dipped my toe in early on trying okay I'll see if I can do a bit of stealth. 
it fails and the sword play is so good that I'm just like, well, I'm just going to abandon stealth and I'll just attack everyone straight up and like stand outside the settlement, shout let's dance dickheads and then fight everyone in there. I think it's got some of the best sword to sword combat going. The stances thing is is brilliant and so in keeping with the theme that that, that deserves praise by itself. Um, yeah, I everything about this game, other than like I said, the stealth gets a thumbs up. I just feel like because it takes itself so seriously that I, I don't know. I'm 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 giving it a little bit of flack for that. Whereas the game I'm going to mention again, it's currently in silver medal. I think I've had more fun playing. I am hyped for a sequel to no end, and I think it's you know they they capped off the last ever. PS4 exclusive is yet another very, very strong first-party series for Sony. Fantastic. I think they did a great job there. And I think a sequel can improve on everything. There's a lot of uh, both uh, stuff you can do with the story in a sequel. There's a lot you can add to the gameplay in a sequel. You can refine stealth in a sequel. But, yeah, please don't take me wrong. This is an excellent, excellent game. If you haven't played it, you really should. That's made me realise what you've got left to discuss and I yeah. just need to ask the question. There is well, I'm not even. It's not even a question. There is no fucking way the game that you're gonna put at number one would make it on your best of the generation. And I just want to point that out before you tell me what it is, because um, I know there's two games left, and I've got yeah. a feeling that that the one I've already discussed is not at number one. Sorry, yeah, yeah, that's correct, not number one. But anyway, my number three, uh, and the reason currently that you should own a PlayStation Five is Demon Souls. Um, it's finally kind of made it very clear that this game was brilliant. I really didn't gel with it when it first came out. In, was it 2009, 2008, something like that? Um, it, I don't think anybody really gelled with it. I don't think anybody understood the the intrigue and the um, kind of like the, the lateral storytelling of Demon Souls because it is a game that you have to go in search of its narrative. Otherwise, it is just a crushingly hard video game for the sake of it. Um, but this version is the definitive version. There's no reason to play the original. There's no reason to look at the original. Demon Souls is visually stunning. Its gameplay is incredibly satisfying. It's the definitive version of this game. And it makes... It finally leapfrogs Dark Souls for me. Because Dark Souls is a game that people have a lot of fun memories of. And don't worry, I get it. I actually like a number of From Software and um, Soulsborne's games now. It's not Bloodborne, and Bloodborne is very much my favourite. But what it is, is it absolutely redeems the progenitor to the Souls craze, and it makes it one of the best ones to play in the series now. I've had a lot of fun playing this. The fact that I've managed to get a lot further with it than I did in my original playthrough already gets it onto this list because it is just such a vast improvement. Um, but it's an absolute powerhouse on the PlayStation 5. It's, I mean, it runs at 60 frames a second at 4K. It's fucking stunning to look at. The performance is brilliant. You can load into an area inside of three seconds. And this, it doesn't do the same shit that the older games do. It doesn't separate the levels. I mean, you've still got fog gates, but that's mainly... Fog gates become like the doors in Resident Evil 2 in the, you know... It, they are there, and yes, you still have to open them, and it reveals the next part of the level. But that level's already loaded. In the original, it was it was hiding a load screen. Now you just touch the fog, you're straight through. The level continues, and it's so goddamn detailed. It's so 
well performed everything is so well designed the combat actually makes a lot more sense now i do feel like i can play this game to a higher standard it's just brilliant it's it might be my number two favorite souls game i haven't played sekiro maybe i'll enjoy that as well because that's very much up up my street in terms of fast combat and the japanese influence but yeah demon souls is fantastic anybody who's got a playstation 5 you need to own demon souls lovely right <laughs> let's annoy michael so what i've put at number two <laughs> god this feels like new mutants all over again um well the thing is you didn't put new mutants at number one that's that's the problem this is worse than new mutants you don't know that um, i do know that right i am just trying to check something that i think will will put paid to why i've had to put assassin's creed valhalla at number two Oh, 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 hang on. <laughs> My brain went, what the fuck are you doing? And you went, can, can you just clarify, is that Assassin's Creed number two? Yes. Okay, I'm not going to murder you. Brilliant. Did you think I put it at number one? Yeah, I thought you put it at number one. No. Okay, that's not. fine. The, the, thing is, <laughs> the thing is, Last of Us Part Two was on your best of the generation anyway, so that's fine. I thought you'd gone right, well, Assassin's Creed is clearly the best PlayStation 4 game of all time, and I thought I was going to have to shoot you. No, 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 no. Calm down, it's fine. Um, right, I am just trying to see if there's any way on the PSN I can find out how much time I put into Ghost of Shima. Doesn't seem like I can, but that's fine. Um, so, <laughs> this is the thing, and this is why it's interchangeable. Technically speaking... Ghost of Tsushima is a better game because I've done nothing, at least in the build-up and at least publicly, done nothing but lambast Valhalla for one, thinking that it's good to base what used to be a stealth-based game on the fucking Vikings, and two, like the Parappa the Rapper level bird circle that they've got that indicates like synchronization points, and so on. I've had glitches. Um, the, like, the fast travel one will occasionally, like, just bug out and not work. Uh, I've had two hard crashes, um, and I... There's a thing now that they've updated it for the Yuletide. They did, like, a free update to, like, make it Christmas in your village. Every time you now spawn, you spawn drunk, no matter where you are in the map, and you have to, like, walk it off for a minute before you become sober again. Um, <laughs> that's not by design. You just, yeah, you gen- I don't know if I just did too much of the drinking game in the Christmas bit, but, yeah, I genuinely spawn drunk every time I turn the thing on there. But I looked at things, I tried to be objective, and went, last night I crossed the 80-hour mark, and I would say, charitably... I'm about two-thirds done and have no desire to play Immortals or Hyrule Warriors because I am more than happy to finish this game and I'm going to platinum it. I don't know. Like, this is not the first game since this, but it's rare that I've had something where it's like Breath of the Wild where I'm like, I want to play this game daily to get through it because I'm enjoying it so much. The the gameplay loops is what make this more fun to play than Ghost of Shima because the minute-to-minute action is great. It does immediately take a little second. When I was just in the Norway bit at the start when you, you're doing stuff there, the combat didn't really click. It took until we went to England and I was kind of left on my own devices that it does all kind of fall into place. But it's 
it balances so many nice things from previous Assassin's Creed games into one very, very nice package. It's more in the origin ilk than it is anything before that, um, which is when Assassin's Creed kind of abandoned its stealth roots. And to be fair to it, stealth is equally as bad in this game as it is in Ghost of Tsushima, which should really be worse for a game called Assassin's Creed. But, again, I just have to go and, like, well, I'm 80 hours in, I'm having a lot of fun, and I want to finish it. And I've even considered getting the DLC. Like, objective that has to mean that I've enjoyed it more than Ghost of Tsushima, which I enjoyed, but I wasn't playing it that fervently. And when it was finished, I didn't really think about it again. And, yeah, there's just the characters. At, like, cause Odyssey, I really liked Assassin's Creed Origins, which is the Egypt set one. I think Odyssey was a bit of a misstep. I came out of it kind of feeling cold towards the whole thing of, like, nothing was really all that memorable in that. In this, I like all the characters. I like the character of Eivor. I like all the people you meet in the village. Um, the Assassin's Creed versus the Templars thing is kind of downplayed in this one. It's more... It's bubbling alongside your main quest, which is to kind of forge alliances in England um, to make sure you're not just going to be invaded by the Saxons or the Celts or whatever constantly. You're just trying to... You go to different regions, you do the story up there, and you gain a new allegiance in that place either by deposing the current leader there and putting your own person in there as like a puppet um leader or just making friends with whoever happens to be in charge the exploration is great it's a genuinely nice looking game um the vistas are very nice some of the graphics like up close some of the rock texture stuff are very muddy but it gets this side side quest also pretty good very varied um there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff like when i found there's this little kid called christopher who was like I need to find my friend, but he only comes when I when I give him honey. So I dig honey at the beehives, and I he says, right, slaver it on that log, and my friend will come. And then a big bear called Winifred turns up, and I'm like, oh, that's a big wood. That's a bear that eats honey called Winifred, and that's Christopher. I'm like, oh, it's a Winnie the Pooh thing. Uh, that happens a few times. I met Robin Hood the other day, and it took me five minutes to realise that I was stood in Sherwood Forest talking to a bloke who has a bow and arrow, and that didn't <laughs> click straight away. I was like... Oh, it's Robin Hood. Gotcha. Um, the thing, it's got so much content that it has to be admired. Because these are churned out games. I know they're not doing it yearly now. It's like every two years we're getting an Assassin's Creed game. But there are... The, 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 the point at which I decide, okay, I'm going to move this above Ghost of Tsushima. There's in your village, which you get to build, which is also good, but most of the stuff is kind of useless outside of the blacksmith and the shop and the hunter lodge you um you at one point um a mystic turns up that was with you in norway you build her a house and she says right get me these ingredients and i'll give you like a vision quest you've done them earlier in the game it's kind of like the scarecrow missions from batman it's all very isolated uh kind of corridory stuff and it's treated like a very like small side mission like it's not prompting you to do this as a main mission you can leave it alone probably for, you could go through this entire game complete the main quest and never touch this side mission i thought ah screw it i'm in the village i don't want to start anything new i'll try this out you are then sent to valhalla you play like you sent to asgard you play as odin and do like a full-on like six to seven hour quest in valhalla and jotunheim with completely brand new maps completely brand new um you know, uh, game uh, assets that have just been made for this in a completely skippable side mission. I'm like, this is unbelievably good value. I could have gone the entire game and not known this was here. 
and it's a full-on like retelling of the Ragnarok story. Seven hours worth of content that you didn't even know was there. It's ridiculous. Like I wouldn't necessarily recommend this to you, Maggle, but I can't deny I'm having a lot of fun playing it, despite some of its very noticeable flaws. It does very much sound like a Darren Guttridge game. Like, it is. <laughs> it, it, it might be one I'd check out, maybe when it goes cheaper. But like, I, yeah. I cannot think of a game I'd want to be stuck in less for 80 hours than an Assa- a new Assassin's Creed game. Like, a, a, a series that has abandoned all like semblance of trying to be a stealth game. That is very much just an RPG crunching, number cruncher now. It is. But I will say, not that I need to defend Ubisoft of all fucking people. But <laughs> yeah, fuck those guys. I, I appreciate that they did. It's kind of like what God of War did, the, the PS4 version. In that it went, look, we can keep trudging these out. But as we saw, we've got a War Ascension. This type of gameplay will not hold up forever. That's they true. made a choice to change the fundamentals of that gameplay, keeping stuff that people like and keeping the characters and some of the storylines, but went in a different direction. Origins was kind of that. They saw that, you know, Syndicate was still great and operated much better as a stealth game, but they pivoted, and of the three they've since released, two are very, very good. Origins and this one, I'd say, are fantastic games. There will come a point eventually where this gets played out, and maybe they then go back to being assassiny. Plus, they were probably just bored of hearing people going, we don't care about the future shit, which does try and rear its head occasionally in this. There is a side mission attached to it that's like part of the collectibles that you have to get where you find like glitches. And, oh, God, it's awful. But it's very easy to skip, and it very, very rarely interferes as much as it did in those Assassin's Creed games, when that was by far their worst thing, was when it was trying to shovel in this stupid Technoshare bollocks. It's largely got rid of that. Oh, fucking Technoshare. We're her her ugly head every time we have to mention Assassin's Creed, so I'm fine with it. Put it this way, it's a lot better than the movie, so it's got that going for it. (laughs) Um, I don't know where they go next. Um, They... uh, Ghost of Shima seems to have stolen their thunder with doing Feudal Japan, which was always, I hoped, the end point. But again, if they're abandoning stealth, what really is the point of doing a ninja game? Um, so I don't know. I genuinely don't know what's next for the series. But after this one, now if it's alternating studios and it turns out the next one will be from the Odyssey people, maybe there'll be a bit of a downturn. But again, 80 hours in, Michael, and I'm still enjoying it and still wanting to play more. That's a mark of a good game, whether you want it to be or not. That is true. On the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Spider-Man Miles Morales, a 10-hour game. Oh, you lucky boy. (laughs) Um, There was no way this wasn't going to be towards the top, because it's a Spider-Man game. Spider-Man's kind of my fucking deal. Um, But this one's a really good one. It, It is noticeably shorter, and it is at number two purely because it leans very heavily onto the New Game Plus aspect. Um it's it's a short game if you're rattling through the story by all means but there are still challenges there are still collectibles there is still like bases and um like traversal challenges and stealth challenges there's still a lot to do as well as a number of very relevant side missions which i felt like the original kind of lacked but it is very much a lesser product miles is a brilliant character he has a great supporting character network with an unfortunately mediocre story um and that's pretty much another thing that 
puts it down at number two rather than number one. I felt like the story in Spider-Man 2018 really built to something. And when you got to that battle with Doc Ock at the end, you saw the the path and it was it wasn't like a surprise, but it felt earned. Whereas I felt like the path towards the end story here wasn't as earned and wasn't nearly as interesting. But I didn't hate it. It was it's got some good characters in there and Ganky's really good. I really like the the idea that they try to form more of a community in Harlem and it really does work. It's a beautiful game. If you're playing it with all of the um the visual aids turned on. So if you're going with ray tracing, increased particle effects, um and the better lighting engine, you are locked to 30 frames a second which is honestly it does depend on what game you're playing, but here it doesn't actually hinder it that much. Um, and it looks absolutely fucking gorgeous. It is so, so well designed and directed in terms of its art production. Um, but you can turn it on to 60 frames a second. They recently added a 60 frames a second with ray tracing mode. And that's kind of like the almost perfect medium. I would have liked to have seen the lighting effects also introduced there. Because um, I can do without all the additional additional particle effects. But the lighting, it, it's a lot more atmospheric this time round, especially because you have got the it, the story is set entirely in the winter months. So that idea of low lighting and, you know, a lot of um, unnatural lighting from buildings and signs and all that does make it look a lot better. It is a visually more stunning game this time round. And the new models, I know people don't like new Peter, but Miles's new model is so good. Dude looks really good. That Even to the point of, like, they have... In some cutscenes, they have individual snow particles melt on people's clothes. It's ridiculously detailed. Um, Jesus. I know. It's very quick in terms of performance. Um, there is no load times between um, fast travel anymore. You just select fast travel and it's done, which is really yeah. good. The load times, um, there are no load times going into bases or into interior uh, interior scenes. You just go through the door and it's just there, which is great. Um, and in terms of loading the actual game up itself, you can go from the PlayStation 5 menu screen into playing the game inside of anywhere between 7 and 10 seconds. So it's fucking good. <laughs> it's good performance. It's a shame there's not going to be more for this game. And I understand why they're not doing a season pass, because this is very much a smaller game. And you could argue that it should have been the big DLC pack. But there's so much more to it than that. And I think it would have been a disservice to Miles to have not given him his full standalone sequel. So I'm glad it exists. The The new game plus stuff really does kind of bother me a little bit. Because I'm not somebody who likes to return to a game once it's done. It has to be like one of my favorite games to return to it when it's done. Case in point, the original Spider-Man, I returned to it when all of the DLC packs were released so that I could play through them all in one go. And then any time they released a free suit, I went back and played a bit more. But that was my favorite game of last generation. I don't think, knowing that Spider-Man 2 is on the horizon, it's coming. I don't think Miles Morales will be there in that same spot next time we, we talk about the end of the PlayStation 5. But it is very good. I would recommend, even if he's on PS4, do pick it up if you enjoyed the first one. It's very much more of the same with a different vibe. And that vibe is very good. I am holding off on that. That will be 
in the first set of games I buy for my PS5 at some point this year, um, I hope. Um, that is dependent on when uh, Horizon and either Hogwarts or God of War comes out. Mm. But we shall see. Right, on to number one. It's a game you mentioned earlier. And again, you have to come down to, look, technically speaking, this game is unbelievably good. And that is The Last of Us 2. It's, again, it doesn't spark in me joy the same way that other games do. Like Spider-Man, for example. Like the Assassin's Creed games I mentioned. Like, fun isn't the selling point for this game. It's basically everything else. Like, it is the peak of, I think, video game storytelling. I think, atmosphere. Um, Some of the visuals, like, again, it doesn't really do what Ghost of Shima does, which is going for, like, vistas and outside and all that stuff. For character acting and character modelling, this game is, oh, unbelievably good. And I appreciate that it pulls no punches. Like, there's a lot of grim stuff in here, but for the most part, it's, it's a character study of how you deal with grief and how you deal with revenge between both Ellie and Abby. I can tell you, keep playing. The Abby character does a number on you as you kind of become more familiar with her and her backstory and all that stuff. I came out of that game not really seeing her as the antagonist anymore, but as like... It, it's Again, it's it's complicated narrative something that you don't usually get in gaming this is not a black and white story this is very much a shade of gray with everyone involved and the characters don't always do what you want them to do what you hope they would do and have healthy responses to things um gameplay wise i think it's it's as tight as the first one i think they've got rid of a few of the annoyances from the first one um so ellie now has a knife that doesn't shatter like old bread every like, three <laughs> times you stab anything so that's good they've removed some of the annoyances from it the gunplay is tighter um i think i found like ammo and um supplies more easy to come across and not just with having to i still did out of habit explore every nook and cranny of every room i go into but i, I didn't ever feel like that was absolutely necessary every time i went into a building otherwise i will have no bullets for anything um I think the the bit I'd like to see expanded for a third one is: Have you got to the um, the open area yet? There's been quite a few open areas. Um, I'm not right. sure which one you're referring to. Uh, Seattle, in particular. Yes, Seattle is brilliant. It's very yeah, very so good. So I I would like to see that expanded. I know it kind of uh, it's it's harder for them to tell really like claustrophobic stories of like you're locked in one building or one specific area. It kind of robs them of that a little bit but if they just have several big areas like that that kind of punctuate the game um and then you go into slightly smaller settings for more intimate stuff i think i'll be all about that because the seattle bit is really really good it's not like you know the most amazing open world thing ever made but with these mechanics and it not being obviously signposted where you can go you're just kind of left to well it's kind of like breath of what if you want to go over there and see what's in the building you can you don't have to but you can and you might find something in there that points you somewhere else and so on and so forth. It's some of the... Because, I mean, there's there's no going to get a platform so that Ellie can stand on it puzzles that you have in the first one in abundance. Um, yeah, it's it's a really unbelievably good game. 
uh, on everything. Like I said, it's not the most fun you're going to have. You're going to have much more fun just throwing yourself off of things in Fall Guys. But I don't think that necessarily has to mean that that doesn't make it the best game this year. It was... The Last of Us seems destined to be that game that comes out last on a Sony console and is kind of a celebration of every good game that came before it, taking ideas from everything and whack him into this this context. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. I don't it's not my favourite video game ever made, but I can't deny that it's the best one I played this year. Yeah, I I kind of agree in terms of its level design is phenomenal. I I was in the Seattle area yesterday afternoon and I was just I was just ready to kind of like loot a house because I, I I saw some WLF dudes in the distance. I was like, right, I'll fucking have them. Stumbled into this house thinking I'm going to get a few more bullets so I can have a shootout. Um, and just like you get you know side blinded by a zombie that was stuck in the bathroom. Stuff you yeah. don't expect. The it's the it's the little moments in that game that really make it. Um, yeah, maybe maybe the game's got a bit more to do with Abby. Um, because I really fucking hate Abby. I, I get that. And I think that's like that was the problem when it first came out is that people because of stuff she does, in the initial few hours people fucking hate that thing. And then that's when all the, the internet hate came out, which was genuinely horrible to see that they were sending like horrible messages and even death threats to the actress that played her. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Which is so unbelievably fucking backwards and stupid that doesn't even bear repeating but i would say yeah, stick it out it's they do something very very interesting with that character i i read it in some ways you're going to read it in others but i did genuinely enjoy where we ended up with both her and ellie's stories it's not even to say that there are legitimate reasons not to like this game i I think it's very joyless like there is not a fun moment in this game i don't think Uh, there's some, there's some flashback episodes, uh, sorry, scenes that are, are good, and there's some very touchy moments, but yeah, there's not an abundance of joy, I'll give no. you that. And obviously the game's director, Neil Druckmann, is not an enjoyable figure in this space, and obviously is this, the figurehead of just horrible crunch over at Naughty Dog, and I do think he does need to be held accountable, as do the heads, at, the heads over at CD Projekt Red, the entirety mm-hmm. of Ubisoft as a whole. This has not been a good year for kind of you know finding out that the people that create the stuff that we make that we enjoy are assholes is not good um no but it's hard to argue the quality of last of us it's really hard to argue against it because it's like you said animation wise it's stellar absolutely stellar i just i just wish that the people making the games like this were fucking unionized they don't have to put up with these horrible horrible conditions because good god just look after yourselves, people. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Anyway, my number one, and thankfully a game that is not the the uh, product of Crunch, at least that I know of, um, and is undoubtedly for me anyway the Michael Owen game of the year. Like it's, they just took all of the things that I enjoy and when let's make a game of that. Ghost of Tsushima. It, it, you make you make a feudal Japan era set game with an open world that matters with a very visual and distinct art style, with very classic cinema storytelling and performances, with how good that fucking swordplay is. Oof. Oh, yeah. Give me that. Pump it straight into my veins. The, that it, it just gave me the correct balance of everything that I wanted. I know that you described it as kind of like self-serious, but I appreciated that it didn't really interject with comedy where it wasn't needed. I think there are some funny moments, 
and there are some very charming moments as well but they were kind of spliced over this story which at the end of the day is a story of sheer and total desperation on the on the part of Jin Sakai um and I think it just really really worked they gave you side missions that actually made a difference in the story and actually made you care about the supporting characters especially Lady Masako's story Jesus Christ that was really good um yeah I think the world was fantastic. It felt visually distinct across all th- three parts of the Isles of Tsushima. The swordplay does not need any further introduction. It's just, it's so good. The stances are brilliant. It feels brutal and visceral and weighty, and it makes total sense. I will concede the stealth isn't the greatest. I will concede that because there are moments where it just flat out doesn't work. And the moment that that happened for me was a story where you failed if you got caught. So mm. that put, kind of put a little damper at the end of Act 2 for me there. Um, but I can't fault anything else. I enjoyed going to find, you know, like seeking out the legends of Tsushima. Like, you know, the fight where you fight the fucking the demon guy to get his bow. That was so memorable. Yeah. That was really, really good. I, I think the bosses are actually really good as well. Um, and I appreciate that you don't, uh, unlike one of my more favorite games ever made, Far Cry 3, you don't get penalized if you get found out during the stealth, meaning you can flip back and forth between stealth and action. And there's no penalty as long as you just liberate a settlement that I really appreciated that because it kind of made up for its own shortcomings kind of actively. So that I very much enjoy. Sucker Punch as a studio is one of my favorite studios going. They've made Infamous, they made Sly Cooper, and now they've got Ghost of Tsushima. I want a sequel. It's very hard to know what that sequel looks like. We discussed it on an earlier episode, um, maybe like shifting the narrative focus, finding a new character, maybe Ghost of Osaka, Ghost of Kyoto, something like that, and moving it um, slightly further forward in time so it's not the Mongol invasion. You've got it set in the Sengoku Jidai, which is the the Warring States period of Japan. That would be interesting. I'd really like to see a game that does that. But I can't fault Ghost of Tsushima. And then they put a free multiplayer mode in that's really good. And also it's uh, like a full 50-hour game, and I platinumed it. I did not have a bad moment playing this game. It has to be at number one. See, I get that I... I didn't even mention, sorry, in in a review, I didn't mention my favourite thing to do in this game. Do you know when Homer goes to Japan and he just walks through all the sliding doors? (laughs) I love nothing more than just calmly walking up to a house, smashing the door through and then walking through, especially if someone had just opened it and then shut it in my face. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then walk through. Yeah, it's... See, I think part of it is... Like, all of the stuff that for the thematic benefit of the game, so what the standoffs, for example, and, and stuff like that, I think they're, they're good early on. It's when you're trying to either platinum it or you're doing all the side missions. When that stuff, it's constantly stopping you so it can have a bit of a cinematic moment. That, for me, eventually took a toll of, like, okay, do we really need to stand there every time there's a samurai and we both go, and there's rain going down, and we both stare at each other, and then just a little thumb click with the sword. I, I I equated to that a little bit of like uh, it's 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 stopping momentum ever so slightly 
every few minutes for me to do something like that. That felt like and... a te- technical limitation to me. I feel like that's something that you put that on the PlayStation 5. You wouldn't need to have it. Right. Maybe so, but I mean, that that is not something... I mean, Assassin's Creed is much less refined in that respect, but that is something it has going for it in that, that there is never any real slowdown in the mashing. And don't get me wrong, swordplay-wise, this is a much more enjoyable system because of the stances but yeah whatever small issues i have with this game please know it is neck and neck basically with valhalla it's any given morning i could wake i could wake up tomorrow and go no i'm gonna put ghost of shima above assassin's creed valhalla they are both excellent excellent games no doubt about that and yet a sequel can hopefully solve all the issues um and just be yet another belter sony have got easily the strongest first party lineup going all right microsoft Whatever headway they've got from having a cheaper console that's slightly more powerful, whatever, or and buying every studio in existence, that's probably going to have. They have to do that because they have got Halo, and they've got Gears of War, but those are the same two first-party franchises they had on the original Xbox. They haven't really added anything of that level, I would argue since then or at least anything they have added just kind of fell off like yeah they've got their forces and stuff but right so you've got god of war uncharted last of us uh ghost of shima horizon and probably forget spider-man kind of works as now that's you can't get that on xbox so that's a first party studio yep um so on and so forth their lineup is unbelievable and every every generation They've added to that. Horizon and Ghost of Shima debuted on the PS4. They're adding to it constantly. So, yeah, that's why it's different. If we get an Xbox uh, at any point in this house, I'm probably going to have to win it or get it for free because there's just no reason to own it for me at the moment. The first party stuff is just too strong on Sony. Yeah, I mean, Xbox basically has redeemed itself via the Game Pass, which is just something that Sony doesn't need. No, not right now. They, They will do it eventually once... Once they get far enough away that they can not be accused of copying Xbox, they will do that, I have no doubt. But they're just trying to find out what can we change enough so that people don't say we're just ripping it off. Uh, once they answer that question, the next day we'll be getting the equivalent for uh, for the PlayStation. And we're going to wrap it up right there for the end of part two of this three-part series. Coming up in the next few days, part three will be with you where myself and Michael kind of talk about a grab bag of things that we'd like to talk about when it comes to the end of the year. Michael will be discussing the best and worst of music in 2020 and I'll be taking you down the very slippery slope of what happened in professional wrestling over the past 12 months. All of that and more you can find over on failentertainment.com. That's fail spelt F-O-U-L entertainment.com where you will find full written versions of what you've just heard as well as a podcast covering the best and worst of films in 2020.